The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series authored by Mercedes Lackey, Dennis Lee, Cody Martin, with Larry Dixon and Veronica Jagger. Read and produced by Veronica Jagger. Bad Moon Rising, Part 3. Written by Mercedes Lackey and Cody Martin. First down and coming in so fast it looked like a crash was an aircraft about the size of a stunt jet. Except that at the last minute the engine suddenly rotated and what had been a near crash turned into a vertical landing, something with V-stall capability like a Harrier jump jet. The rear canopy flipped open and one of the biggest men J.M. had ever seen in his life popped out of the thing like a giant out of a clown car. The plane was still setting down as he flung himself out of it, landing hard on a wrecked car and rolling. As he rolled, John could hardly believe his eyes as the car, and then the asphalt, rolled up around the man, forming a crude armor. Right behind the little jet landed another pair of men, both wearing Echo jet packs. One was black, the other looked like some sort of Pacific Islander. The black man was wearing nothing but boots, a pair of nano-weave trousers, and a nano-weave vest with a helmet. Matai! he bellowed, pointing at the three Kriegers. Light him up for your brother! The second man raised up what looked like a sleek paintball gun and began tagging the visors of the three troopers. Fluorescing, self-illuminating paint spattered their viewports, obscuring any view they might have had. One of those damn things come with windshield wipers. By this point, another echo-op popped out of the front of the jet and vanished upwards before John got a good look at him, as the second jet landed and two more echo-ops emerged from it. The first op was head-to-toe in what looked like jousting armor, as armored up as the Kriegers were. The second was followed by a flood of dogs that looked as if they should have been the armored one's pets, since they too had helmets, armored neck braces, and shoulder armor. The leader of the Echo Group shed his jetpack and charged the troopers on the ground, colliding with them at the same time as the junk-covered giant. The troopers began blasting them, with pieces being torn and continually renewing themselves on the scrap heat meta. The leader just shrugged off the beams that hit him. John heard the sound of nails clicking against the ground. A blur of teeth, armor, and fur streaked off from where the dogs had been sitting by their keeper. They circled around behind the Kriegers, whose attention was still diverted. What the hell kind of good a dog's going to do against trooper armor? Coming from behind, the pack launched themselves at the knee joints for the armored troopers, hitting them right at the bend of the knee with a sort of shoulder bump that two fighting wolves would use, and one by one the troopers fell over. The melee was too busy for John to fire into. He might hit the two Echo personnel or the dogs if he tried. But he could see why the dogs were in armor now. If they tried to smack into the Kriegers without it, they'd probably break their necks or concuss themselves. There was still that death sphere. If things started looking sour for the Thulians, they'd just give everyone a thermite bath, hose the field down with their energy cannons, or beat whatever they could reach to death with the tentacles. John turned to face Fieldhouse. Get you guys and get clear of this. Unless you have any laws or surface-to-air stuff, you guys are just targets. Move! The National Guard soldiers didn't need any more encouragement. John spotted the Echo operative that looked like an ancient knight and sprinted to his side. You got a name, buddy? A clean, synthesized voice replied quietly. Echo up to 
silent night. Write the figures. John gestured towards the death sphere. We gotta take that sucker out or we're all dead. Can you help with that? Yes. Silent Knight gave an approximation of a nod. But you'll want to stand behind me when we do. The man with the dogs didn't do anything, but suddenly all the dogs came streaming back to take a position behind him as he fell in behind Silent Knight. He looked at John. Leader of the pack, Knight here projects coherent sound beams. Like lasers, only sound. Sazers. He leaned down and did something to the dog's helmets, then tapped Knight's shoulder. Okay, Knight, the pups are saved. He leaned a little to one side and spoke into where his lapel would have been if he'd had one. From working with Overwatch, John recognized he must have had a button or a throat pickup mic on him. Okay, Corby, hit it. Knight's in position. A black blur dove out of the equally black, smoke-filled sky, briefly hovered next to the damaged section on the side of the sphere, then arrowed up before it could react. John actually didn't think the sphere's operators realized it had been there. Whatever it was, he wouldn't have seen it if it wasn't for his enhanced vision. There was a brief flash, followed by a gout of smoke and flame that emanated from the panels above the damage. They sheared away, falling uselessly to the ground, with the metal around the hole still burning. Silent Knight braced his feet. Suddenly, it seemed as if all the sound had been muffled. John looked around, confused. The troopers were still wrestling with two Echo people, and it should have created a ruckus. He felt someone yank the back of his collar, suddenly pulling him behind Knight's shoulder. Now! The Black Meta shouted, disengaging and clapping his hands over his ears. The Islander with the paintball gun shot up into the sky on his jetpack, and the asphalt-covered one rolled up into a ball. Knight suddenly thrust his hands forward, and there was thunder. All of the sound that had disappeared was back and amplified, projected in front of the Meta. John saw the air ripple ever so slightly along a narrow band, impacting directly where the bomb had gone off on the Death Sphere. There was a shouting from behind them. John turned to look in time to be thrown to the ground. A Krieger flew over his head, glancing off of Knight's shoulder before clanking against the side of the Death Sphere. The Sphere was collecting its troopers. The Junk Heap Meta and the Echo Leader tried to dogpile the last Nazi on the ground, but the inexorable force emitted from the Sphere drew it up in the same as the others. Seven. A quick breath, the familiar twinge, and then a lance of fire. Burn, you bastards. Burn. John had been suppressing his hatred for the Thulians up until now, trying to keep things impersonal and objective. Now, he let it all flow into his fires, his entire energy invested in controlling them. Bullseye! the Islander shouted. For a moment, John wasn't sure that the blast had been effective. The sphere continued upward quickly. It looked like it was going to escape after all. Then, slowly, it began to cant sideways. Had he hit it hard after all? Just what I need right now would be for my powers to give out again, to fail right when everyone needs them most. It barely skimmed through the lower layers of the clouds before it plummeted straight down, out of control. 
When it slammed into the ground, the impact was loud and hard enough to shake everyone off of their feet. Seconds later, something detonated deep within the sphere, sending a huge fireball into the evening sky. The National Guard soldiers were the first on their feet, shouting and hollering from the other end of the parking lot. They came running and limping over, clearly glad to have lived through the battle. John picked himself up off the ground, still dizzy from when the Humvee had exploded. It's not a bad little bang. He turned to face the Echo Ops. Name's John Murdoch, with the CCCP. Pleased to meet you, comrades. Figure me and the troops all owe you one. Oh, a case. He extended his hand to shake the tall team leader's hand, wiping away the blood from his scalp wound with his free hand. We got a call from Op 2 Victoria Victrix that you were out here solo, the big black man said. So it was Vic with all the ground stuff. She's got her voodoo to tell her where on a map I was, even though she couldn't see anything with me being wired. Must have been the best she could do blind. I guess Gamayun got through to her. I own both, big time. It could turn into a nasty habit. Sorry about the small team. I'm flack, team lead. Kriegers are popping up all over tonight. Looks like they're hitting mostly power stations and important electricity junctions. Happy to say we're holding them off at the moment. John nodded. If the Thulians took out some key infrastructure, they could cripple the entire country. Everything was codependent nowadays. Knock out a few critical junctures, and the entire power grid would go down. Power fails, so does shipping. Shipping fails, so do most of the cities that depend on regular supplies. And so on from there, the trigger effect in short. Who else is on your team here? Didn't have too much time for proper introductions. You know, what were the explosions and all? A black shape dropped out of the sky. For a moment, he got a strange feeling of familiarity as the huge wings fanned the air, and a sense of disappointment because it wasn't Sarah. It was a man in a mottled gray and black camo suit and black camo paint, with black wings. "'Cheers, mate,' he said in a pronounced British accent. "'Corby, I'm liking these night gigs. Makes a lad less of a target.' "'And you with the explosive charge.' That's pretty handy. John looked at his wings. A whole bunch more stealth than the jetpacks, I imagine. Flax idea. Brilliant, eh? Not bad at all. Uh, who's the walking trash heap? I've never seen anything like that. My brother, Motu. I'm Matai. The islander, his broad face wreathed in a smile, came forward to shake his hand. Matai was huge. Motu was twice as tall and proportionately broad. We're from Samoa, man. I'm no meta, just a big growing boy. Our mama, she feeds us good. The other islander had shed his skin as he approached, and now was just clothed in his echo nano weave. Come say hello to Johnny Murdoch of the commies, brother. Common brother. Motu also shook hands with John as he reached the group. Glad to see we didn't have to scoop you into a bag for Victrix. John's hand was completely engulfed in Motu's, but the big meta's gentle grip wouldn't have ruffled the feathers of a baby chick. 
That makes two of us. Flack interjected. You've already met leader of the pack and his mutts. Got them especially outfitted for fighting these Kriegers. Leader got the notion for armoring them when some of them kept knocking even the biggest of us over for fun when they were romping around. Knees lock forward, not back. Even on those suits. The dogs lined up beside their owner, handler, pack leader, and sat down in a neat row. John could hear panting inside the helmets. It sounded like doggy laughter. Then there's Silent Night here. Last thing a lot of the Kriegers have ever heard, if you get my drift. I am very pleased to meet you, John Murdoch, said the synthesized voice. I hope you will forgive my abruptness. The situation was critical. It's not a problem, comrade. You guys pulled all of our asses out of the fire, so to speak. John remembered suddenly why he was out in the lovely swamps of Georgia in the first place. Speaking of fire, if I don't get that sorry-looking van and its contents back to HQ, the commissar's going to use my hide as a rug in her office. He looked to Flack. Can you radio in and make sure that these soldiers have help coming for them? Their RTO and squad leader got taken out, and if things are really going hairy all over, the message might not have gotten out. Of course. We have to move again, but we'll make sure they get the help they need. One of the soldiers came trotting over, one of the ones that John had never heard a name for. Uh, sir? You're flack, right? If it's all right, can I get your autograph? <laughs>